Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here is your host. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ex Nihilo, a podcast from the Diocese of Orlando. This is Father Martin, your host. And Steve Bucklin, your co-host. And in the corner, playing Pokemon and eating cookies. It's Wee Cat. Cat. Oh, my gosh. Somebody please take him. I know. Chocolate chip cookies, Santa, Pikachus. It's crazy. But Santa Pikachus, it's so topical. (laughs) Father Martin has an awesome topic for us this week. It's Christmas. Yes. A lovely, lovely solemnity has been turned into some sort of crazy office party, drunken, and sort of a shopping spree for people who go into the mall all the times. That is true. But we would like to very much to speak to you today about the true meaning of Christmas. So I just want to begin with a very interesting that story that Father Miguel once shared with me, because after Mass one, one day, this man came up to Father really upset about a statue of Mary that he recently saw at Most Precious Blood Parish. And it was really a statue of Mary being pregnant. And he was so scandalized over the fact that Mary was actually pregnant and her belly got big. Because that never happens. It, I mean, it's I not the way pregnancy works. And, and somehow somehow he, his mind could not wrap about a f- around the fact that Jesus was actually in Mary's womb. Um, and so it, it's really speak of the common misconception about the virgin's birth and how Jesus actually take flesh. So right. when, when the gospel says the word became flesh, he truly became flesh in every sense of the word. Uh, anything to add, Steve? No, that's true. I mean, it's it's interesting because in the early church for the first couple of centuries, they didn't even really celebrate the birthday of Jesus. The main focus of celebration was always on the Sunday. It was always on the rising of Christ from the dead. And and so kind of even Easter, to a large respect, um, didn't come on until, until much later. So you don't really kind of get a traditional celebration commemorating the birth of Christ until almost uh, Emperor Constantine, so you're running into the 4th century. That's true. For, for St. Paul in particular, because for him, it's the uh, the Paschal mystery, uh, the, the death, the suffering, and the rising of Christ from the dead that was salvific. But there cannot be a resurrection without a birth. That's right. I mean, one of the one of the definitive uh, aspects of Christianity is the incarnation. It is it is God comes to meet His people. God becomes man so that He can live as one of us. And so, uh, you know, December twenty fifth, the popular day, but not always the day uh, associated with the birth of Christ, was it, Father? It's more like Santa nowadays. Jesus is totally hey, taking now. a backseat. Don't right diss Santa. We had his feast day on December 6th, right? Feast <laughs> of the feisty St. Nicholas. Punch a heretic day, as we call it. Exactly. Who's your favorite bishop from South Turkey? St. Nicholas. Yay. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so let's let's speak about the date now. Uh, obviously, like Steve said, in the first few centuries, the church actually never celebrated Christ's birthday. Actually, good old origin believed that it would be wrong to celebrate Christmas because he said it's it's so associated with, with the pagan practices. That's true. That is true. And, and many biblical scholars actually um, even continue to this day to believe that Christ was born 
probably either in the late spring or, or more, more commonly now they're thinking September, um, most specifically because, and where they reference these things are from passages in the gospel, um, you know, especially in, in the gospels of, of Mark and Luke, um, when they talk about the shepherds. Um, the shepherds in December wouldn't have been out uh, in Jerusalem because it's, too, it's too cold. It's right? too cold. Actually, St. Polycarp really packed down the day. He said it's, uh, Christmas is on a Wednesday. Is it really? <laughs> I love Polycarp. <laughs> but I don't know how he got it with the date. But Now, get back to the year real quick, because recently Pope Benedict XVI uh, wrote a beautiful little volume of Jesus Nazareth talking about the infancy. And he said that um, according to the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus was born during the, the reign of King Herod the Great. That's and, right. And given the fact that Herod died... Uh, around 4 BC. So the year that Jesus was born actually wasn't on the year zero. But no, he was born before. Oh. He was born before himself. So. <laughs> if that makes sense, people, if that right. makes sense. It would be, so most scholars appear, and there's a couple of ways of figuring it out. So kind of the two traditional ways is one is we can calculate backwards. So if you kind of think about when Jesus began his uh, his ministry, right? And we talk about that. So our date would come from from uh, St. John the Baptist, who uh, only began baptizing people himself in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius. So you kind of look up Tiberius, you go, okay, 15 years, figure it out on the calendar, do a little math. We hate math. And then, <laughs> you know, you arrive at somewhere between 4 and 6 BC, but certainly no later than 1. So... Gotcha. That sounds complicated. People. It's very complex. There's a lot of maths involved. And being an Asian, I'm not good at it. <laughs> That's not true. You you have a natural innate gift for math. You're a walking slide rule. <laughs> How about Don't December let it fool you. Whenever we go out to dinner, you know who calculates the tip? It's Father Martin. <laughs> My iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> How about December 25th? How did we get to that day? Oh, December 25th. Well, of course, as many, many people, I'm sure everyone will be scandalized when they hear this. It used to be the feast of the Roman uh, festival Saturnalia, which was the feast that honored the Roman god Saturn. Um, so all of you, you know, mythological nerds out there, of course, know that Saturn was the Roman equivalent of the Greek god Kronos, because when the Romans went through the empire, they were kicking everybody's tail. They were like, oh, these Greek gods, we really like them. They got a god of wine. They got a god of all this, you know, fire and metal. And we'll just take them all and rename them. And that's what they did. While talking about the biggest nerd in the room. No, that's <laughs> not true. Stop. You're hurting my feelings. So, no, but so the funny thing about the Feast of Saturnalia was it was in the Roman Empire. It was a time when the masters of the house would welcome their slaves at table, um, which was extremely unusual. Um, there was a lot of festivities, a lot of merriment going on. And it was also a time of gift giving, uh, which sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Gift giving. Oh, talking about gift, Steve, what did you get me for Christmas? Socks. <laughs> well, I got off track a little bit. Now, in, in my research also, we I found that there's also two other pagan uh, festivals that are associated with Christmas. One is called the Natalis Solis Invicti, which is the birth of the un- unconquered sun. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the birthday of Mithra, the sun god. And like all things that we do throughout church history, we baptize all these pagan practices, and we see that these practices already connect to the exaltation of the birth of a light god of some sort. 
And so we connect it to the true light of the world, which is Jesus Christ. That's right. You know, actually, um, one of the traditions in the early church, which which obviously died out, uh, was that in some places, um, because the early church was very scattered, the celebration was actually of the conception of Jesus right around this time. It was the coming of the light into the world in his conception, uh, which kind of makes sense, but, you know, ultimately I think, you know, it's much ado about nothing, which sounds crazy. I know everyone's going to be like, what did he just say? You're crazy. But ultimately, the problem is, is that we tend to get too focused on things like the date, and then we lose sight of the reason, right? And what's the importance of the celebration of the nativity of the Lord? It is that Christ, the, the word, the eternal word of God, actually came to earth. A God who is outside of space and time has chosen to enter into time and space to be his with his people right but steve has a point sometimes we get too caught up with the minute details like how people were so scandalized when paul benedict said maybe there weren't cows and donkeys around the manger scene that's right and the people were so scandalized but what does it matter if there's cows or or donkeys right the most important thing is that jesus the word of God became flesh. That's right. It doesn't matter that there may or may not have been three wise men, and they may or not may or may not have been riding camels. You know, uh, none of that's in Scripture. That's all tradition. Um, there's nowhere in the Bible you're going to find the names of the wise men. Uh, that that doesn't exist either. That's all in tradition. But it all it all adds to kind of the story. Um, but I think you know, at a kind of a very basic level, at least for me, um, you know, Christmas is about is about kind of, for lack of a better word, it's God making good on his promise. You know, God promised, you know, all the way back in Genesis, you guys screwed up, Adam and Eve, congratulations. <laughs> but but it's fine. I'm going to, I will, I'm going to save you. And, and the prophets throughout all of, all of the ages and the toil of Israel, you know, everything's terrible, but don't worry, a Savior's coming. And, and, you know, that's what this is. This is about a new dawning. It's God's everlasting covenant coming to be with us. This this is a nice way to look at this whole thing because you look at the Bible, look at it like a love story mm-hmm. where a mistake was made from the very beginning. But that being said, God did not give up on humanity. Right. And throughout the whole history of the Old Testament, it is just a leading up to the crescendo, the most important aspect, which is him sending his son to fulfill a promise to restore all things. Right, into himself. And so, you know, I mean, and who doesn't make a mistake, right? Have I you don't. Made, you don't? You, <laughs> I can think of three or five. Three or five, at Okay, least. okay. My confessor could certainly uh, <laughs> attest to the opposite, uh, the contrary. Uh, but, but no, I mean, you know, when we, when we think about kind of the tradition and, 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 you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about, uh, about Advent, right, and kind of preparing for the coming of, of our Savior, and what a joyous time that this should be for us. And it is joyous, you know, and, and all of the celebrations that people, you know, the festivities are going on, the Christmas parties now, and the happiness and the camaraderie and the coming together of people. You know, you always hear the expression, Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay. It's on our new T-shirts. Um, but, but you know what? I mean, if 
is there ever a bad reason for people to come together in fellowship? Is there ever a bad reason for for people to come together in friendship? Or maybe maybe people who aren't particularly good friends, but they just they come together anyway, um, and maybe discover that there's friendship that can exist, or that even in this spirit of giving, that maybe the giving that we give to each other is the gift of peace. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be socks. I know you love socks. It doesn't have to be isotoner gloves. Those were hugely popular in the 80s. Um, but maybe it's just the gift of ourselves. That sounds beautiful. I know you love that word, Steve. That's right. Well, I actually have a part-time job writing Hallmark cards. <laughs> but once again, just going back to uh, the whole meaning of how Christ became flesh. What does it mean for a God who is almighty to be born in absolute poverty? No place to rest his head, being born among animals, being born a fragile little baby. Uh, I, in a sense, it's absolutely madness, absolute madness, as the fathers of the church says. You know, How can we understand a God who empty all of his glory to become practically nothing? Well, you know, we have <clears throat> around St. James with these pictures, and, and many people may have seen them. So it's a picture of Jesus and, and his heart, and there's like kind of the, the red and the, and the blue coming out of his heart. And it's, at the bottom it says, Jesus, I trust in you. You right? mean the divine mercy image? Yes, that one. But depends on how it's been characterized in the, in the posters. But <laughs> yes. So, but, but what I was going for was the thing at the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you. And, the, and what's so amazing to me about Christmas, and I'll confess I just was thinking about this, is that Jesus had to trust in us. Mm -hmm. God so loved his people that he trusted in them to take care of him when he was but a babe. I mean, what an amazing act of love. You know, you're a God, you're out of space, you're out of time, you can do anything, be anywhere, and you choose to humble yourself to the extent where you become utterly dependent on on your own creations who you know are flawed. Absolutely. And and in on this topic, since we're in the liturgical year A, I just want to touch a little bit on the, um, the, the book of genealogy. Because Matthew is the only book in all four Gospels that provided the genealogy of Jesus. And if you read through all these names, and I, I tell you, it's so difficult to pronounce these names. And yet they're some of the most popular names today for, you know, for babies, right? Because is that so? Jehoshaphat I'm, I'm is rapidly Jehoshaphat is just skyrocketing up the list of the most popular names in 2016. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I do. I did not. Uh, I do now. Moab, Moab. <laughs> That's in there. But if you read through these names, you would realize these are some of the most flawed human being. King David, for example. My goodness <clears throat> gracious, the holy King David committed adultery, mm. murder, mm-hmm. deceit, all that stuff. Yeah. And then the four the four particular women that was mentioned in the whole book of genealogy, Ruth was a foreigner. Rahab hey, was hey, a Hey 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 now being a foreigner is not a sin. <laughs> that doesn't make you bad. It did not. It did not, but for the the culture of the time, <laughs> it's a big no no. Oh, that's true. And uh and then Rahab was a prostitute. Right? Uh, Bathsheba was uh the one who committed adultery with um with King David. That's right. All these women were sinful and somewhat out of the norms, but God chose to be a part of this family, as dysfunctional, as imperfect as it was. Uh, it speaks a lot about the heart of God, who chose to be a part of our messiness, 
the daily messiness of humanity. Uh, and the same God is still born time and again in history in the daily circumstances that you and I encounter. Right. Well, I also think it speaks to, you know, particularly to to young adults, young families, people of closer to your age because I'm so old now. <laughs> I'm down downside of 40. Uh, but it's it's you know it's it's a very real reminder I think that that God God embraces all of us. True. If if we are if we're open to His embrace, He is there for us, no matter what state we're in, no matter how sinful we've been, no matter how bad we think the things are that we've done. Um, you know, somebody in history who God has associated with Himself with has probably already done it before you, and they've probably done it better. So so you know it's 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 hard to be humble. In ourselves to realize that that God loves you so much that it's okay. Look, He associated Himself, as you mentioned, with this you know great, amazingly sinful family line, mm-hmm. so that He could do great things. And God can do great things in you, no matter how bad you think you are, how sinful you think you've been. Um, the opportunity for God's light to shine through you is there if you'll embrace it. That's true. It reminds me of this neat saying: um, Your past make you who you are, but it doesn't define who you become. So everybody walked through life carrying... Did you get that from a Batman movie? Possibly. I, I <laughs> <laughs> now was he that? just distracted me I'm again. Sorry, I'm pretty sure that was in one of the Batman movies. <laughs> we Cat, was that in a Batman movie? Fat, fat checked it was. <laughs> fat checked that. I thought it was something about what I do that defines me, and but you have to say it in the Batman voice. Yeah. What I do that defines me. Something like uh, that. Wasn't that in Dark Knight? I'm pretty I, sure that was Dark Knight. Was oh, my it. gosh. I'm working with two nerds, <laughs> and I thought I was the biggest nerd is. Nope. But, no chance. But that being said, you know, we all walk through life with different baggages emotionally, psychologically. We all have wounds and imperfections. But that doesn't define who we are because because God has chose to become man, like St. Augustine said, so that man can become God. Right. The very fact that God condescend himself, lower himself down to be with humanity, so that he can raise us up, so that we are no longer slaves. We are called children of God. Right. Friends, Jesus, you are my friend. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Corny. Sorry. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Isn't that the goal? Oh, here it is. We cat to the rescue. Batman begins. Oh, no. Not it's Dark true. Knight. Darn yeah. it. It's not Dark Knight. It's Batman begins. Sorry. Sorry, guys. We were wrong. Nerd <laughs> fell. <laughs> Somebody save me, please. Uh, that'll be your Christmas present. From this these podcast two people. will get over soon. <laughs> so. so, do you have any Christmas plans? What will you be doing for Christmas, Father Martin? Well, this whole I have all the masses on Christmas Eve, and then hopefully after all the uh, the excitements of uh, liturgical celebrations, I can go and spend some quiet time with my mom. Are you guys going to do you drink eggnog at Christmas? No, my mother doesn't believe in any of that stuff. I, I don't know what kind of weird stuff she's going to make. Um, but so it, you don't have a traditional Christmas dinner? I'm not even sure what a traditional Christmas dinner is, because at our house it could be anything from schnitzel to pizza to lasagna to, you know. But whatever it is, I think it comes back to the reality that you spend it with the people you love. Right. That's exactly that right. In a sense that you step out of yourself. Yeah. You step out of yourself and realizing that the, the person next to you is also deserving just as equally the love, the affection that they need. Um, even we cat. Even we cat. 
But sometimes I think Aww. because of the material world that we live in, it's all a matter of what kind of gifts am I going to get? Um, is it going to hold any value? And can I return it if I don't like it? <clears throat> right. And, and we, we sort of lose sight of why we celebrate Christmas and with whom we're celebrating Christmas. Um, so ask yourself, you know, in the midst of all the hectic of planning, cooking, shopping, all that stuff, what is the what is the reason for the season? Mm. As corny and as cliche as that sounds, but uh, sometimes I think we lose sight of that. Don't you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, yes, I do think the material. I mean, it's kind of funny because it, you were just making me think of. I remember the first time I had you mentioned working on Christmas, right? And I remember the first time I worked. I had to work on Christmas. I was working in radio, and I was on the overnight. It was midnight to 5 a.m., and it happened to be Christmas Eve into 5 a.m. Christmas morning. And I remember, you know, being like, wow, I'm not in bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> so kind of there's no waking up for presents or anything else. I'd moved out of the house by then. But but it was just a strange kind of like it was just felt so out of the norm. Like, you know, we would get up and there'd be some kind of family time. And there were these kind of traditions that may not be like grand, but they were traditions that we had. And that was kind of all gone. Like now you're out in the world, you're working. Um, but it was still a beautiful Christmas day. Mm-hmm. It just came to me in a way I hadn't expected. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, folks, that God has become man, had become a part of the family. Pope Francis said when God sent his son, he sent his son to be a part of a family. And so keep that in mind as we, we are about to celebrate such a beautiful solemnity that the importance of a family uh, sure, we all carry all different uh, differences and might be arguments and conflicts along the way, but perhaps this is a good time to set all that aside and truly focus on what truly matter. Amen. Amen. Nice wrap up. Very good. So the real birthday to Jesus is December twenty fifth. December twenty fifth. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We're not sure. It's still debatable by by scholars, so we'll leave that matter to someone who are smarter than us. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we just wanted to wish everyone a happy Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> know that God loves you and he has become flesh just for you. Amen. May your Christmas season be filled with peace and joy of Christ Jesus. God bless you. Amen. FaithFit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Ex Nihilio with Father Martin Wen. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy. Mm-hmm.